We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. We've had multiple days in a row with the sun making an appearance. Yep. It felt very uh, springy in the last couple days. Yeah. Good to see it. Has spring begun? Uh, technically, no. March 1st is what but I would we, say. March, we, March 21st okay. is what some others would say. I was going to say, because we don't go by technically with March 21st. We, we go by the months. That's right. Yeah. Meteor- meteorological seasons. March 1st is the first day of spring. Jeremy White, Sneaky Joe here at... Uh, WGR on the Western Hotline is Joe Marino of the Draft Network back with us after a uh, a whirlwind. Joe, you had a busy week down there, Senior Bowl. How was everything? Hey guys, good to be back on with you. Yeah, last week was was busy. Um, it felt like every morning it was interviews or the media day during our typical slot. So um, was uh, you know missed being on with you last week, but obviously a, a really important week in. Uh, the scouting process and, and getting to know these prospects and, um, you know, good to be back on with you today. It seems like, Joe, you know, your experience scouting, it seems like the Senior Bowl is the scouting Super Bowl. It's, it, it just seems like the event that all of you guys love more than any. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, it's an unprecedented opportunity to see 120 draftable players on the field. I mean, I think 45% of the top 100 players drafted last year were Senior Bowl players. Every single team in the NFL drafted at least one player from the Senior Bowl last year, and so you get to see them competing against each other one-on-one, but then also there's a lot of opportunity to meet them and talk to them and get kind of a feel for their personality. And, um, you know, we have a really cool sponsor or partnership with the uh, Senior Bowl that really gives us some unique access, and we got to do some community service with the players as well on Friday. Um, So just a, a really important exposure and data point in our scouting process. Joe Marino of the Draft Network. You know the differences between this and the combine, Joe. Uh, the combine is what measurables, right? Height, weight, wingspan, uh, long jump, forty times. And Senior Bowl is more about positional drills. They're they're putting players through much more. I guess what would be like more like a regular football practice to see how they kind of rate. Yeah, it's, it's the big. Di- it's football. That's the big difference, right? I mean, we we all love to get. Uh, measurements and you know athletic testing to really validate the athletic ability of these players but uh, the football component is all always the most important how you play football matters more than anything and so you know these are highly competitive practices that you know there's one-on-one competition o-line versus d-line wide receivers versus corners you know that type of stuff but you know you also kind of get to go on this journey of them installing a very basic game plan but you know the day over day install and and seeing how players grasp it and who has questions who doesn't have questions who takes control who knows what they're doing who can take you know what they're told to do in the meeting rooms and apply it on the football field I mean it's a really good glimpse into these players and their habits how they retain information and then of course how they compete against the best of the best and all the teams of course down there we saw a picture of Brandon Bean standing next to uh, now Giants GM Joe Shane they're watching the receivers work so 
All right, Joe, as uh, as someone, if you watch the receivers, how how does the group look from just from the Senior Bowl? I mean, the class we'll get to over the course of the next couple months, but names for Bills fans to maybe put a little star next to from the Senior Bowl. Yeah, we, from the wide receiver perspective, I think the name that really moved the needle for me down there was Jaden Reed out of Michigan State. Um, a fairly good size. You know, he's not one of these smaller receivers. I know guys like Tank Dell got a lot of buzz, but we got to be realistic there. I think he's like 160 pounds. Uh, and, you know, there's not a whole lot of 160-pound receivers out there that are doing much in the NFL. Uh, so Jaden Reed's kind of the guy that, that moves the needle for me. Uh, thought he showed really good vertical ability um, to, to win down the field, which is a testament to how explosive he is and his ball skills down the field. But that, that ability to win vertical and that twitch and, and that explosiveness shows up as a complete route runner and a guy that you, you like uh, when you consider that dynamic athletic profile translating to yards after catch. So he feels like a guy that can really win at all three levels and, and really, I think, showcase himself extremely well uh, down in Mobile. And then I'll, I'll give you one other name here, just kind of a surprise for me, uh, was Michael Wilson out of Stanford. I feel like I've, I've continuously heard good things from, you know, scouting circles that I'm in about Michael Wilson, um, but really haven't seen him. Um, but the Senior Bowl provided me that opportunity, and you saw a guy with really good size. You know, this isn't a, over six foot, over 200 pounds, but he has pull-away speed vertically and ball skills to go with it. And so – you know, maybe he's not quite a do-everything guy, but if you want size and ball skills, I think you, you, you really like what you get in Michael Wilson. When you look at the Bills' need at receiver, what they might want to add, you know, that, that might tell us what kind of role they're looking for. So as you're li- listing all these skills, you know, size, ball skills, yards after catch, um, route trees, what skill set is best suited to jump into this Bills' offense? What, what should Ken Dorsey be asking for? What should Brandon Bean looking, be looking to plug in at receiver with this offense? You know, it's funny. I was at, um, I was at uh, Sean McDermott's press conference um, ahead of the – it was the, the combine before they traded for Stephon Diggs. So it wasn't long after they traded for Stephon Diggs, and everybody knew they needed a wide receiver. And I remember I was really excited to ask Sean McDermott this question because I wanted to kind of get a glimpse into maybe what – skill set he prefers at wide receiver to kind of get a clue as to what I what they could be thinking. And, and I, I said, Sean, you know, I, I phrased the question, and Sean looks at me and says, Joe, we're looking for guys that can get open and catch a football, right? So that was, was kind of a, a letdown for the answer. Maybe I should have known after listening to so many McDermott press conferences that he doesn't give you much. But to me, when I think about what the Bills need at, at receiver, it's a guy that can win at all levels of the field, somebody that can uncover quickly, that can get open and process coverage and, and win in the intermediate areas of the field, but then also has legitimate speed to win vertically. You know, that's what's, what's interesting about the Bills and how frequently they throw the ball down the field is they do it without a ton of real speed at the position. And so I think that would only be an asset to an offense that wants to attack defenses vertically. So I think it's that complete route running skill set that can win to all levels of the field. And, of course, you want that yards after catch ability. You know, and I know that there's some – there's some scheme reasons why the Bills don't have a ton of yards after catch, but you know I think that there's there's a usefulness in some you know make you miss type skill set in space to to get some easy yards for the offense, so that not everything doesn't have to be air yards all the time. So I'm really interested in a do everything player and not one that is more of a niche player that prov- that provides 
something, but the limitations really hinder your offense. I'm looking for that do-everything skill set. I don't want to be too picky if they were to draft a receiver at all, but with that being said, is there any guy in the first or second round that you think would be maybe not a questionable fit, but you might be wondering like how it's going to look because it, it, it doesn't kind of fit that description that you're describing? Yeah, yeah I, I think a, a name that um, has some heat right now, and, and maybe I'm going to put a little sizzle on it, is Quentin Johnson from TCU. I, I like Quentin Johnson, and uh, I think he'll be a good receiver in the NFL, but I think he'd be very redundant in the Bills' offense because he's one of those size ball skills guys, right? He's not really a, a player that uh, gets open quick. He's not a he's a guy with kind of more gradual build-up speed, right? And I feel like you kind of have that. You, you have exactly that in Gabriel Davis. And I, I'm personally thinking that the Bills need a, a – a, a different type of skill set there with a more complete route running profile and some explosiveness. And so that would be kind of a name that, you know, people ask me about all the time that I think is a good prospect, but not necessarily the type of player I think this Bills offense is needing. One, one way to say this, Joe, if I could put this in my own head, is you want someone who's Madden number. It's not necessarily the speed top number that's the most important, but the acceleration. And you tweeted out the name yesterday, Tyler Scott. Yeah. I went And I looked at some of his highlights. And this is a guy that, I mean, I'm not a scout, but I saw a couple where he catches a short pass, turns, and it's 0-60 to 60 in a very, yeah. very quick amount of time. Yeah, you, you guys can always read between the lines on my tweets. Uh, sometimes I, my draft tweets are often for the entire NFL, but but rest assured, there's always a Bills angle there. And and Jeremy, you picked up on it. You know, this is a guy that I think would really profile um, in exactly what I think the Bills' offense needs. Now he's like a five eleven, one eighty five, one ninety, something like that. And I think that's okay for size. I, I don't, I, I'm not really moved off of that. Um, but yes, it's it's that stop start ability. It's it's. I mean, goodness gracious, if you saw his highlights, I'm sure you saw a lot of plays where there's, there's nobody near him down the field. It's because he has that legitimate pull-away speed, but you know, they, the Cincinnati offense allowed him to kind of run some of his vertical routes that had a double move or a, a vertical cut within it that really he sets up and just pulls away from people. There's nobody near him. And then you know, when he gets that fo- the football in his hands quickly and there's nobody near him, or well, if, even if there are people near him, he just has that, that instant acceleration that it, just, it breaks pursuit angles. And, you know, not that he's a player that's going to win after contact or, like, slide out of tackles, right? That's not going to be his game, but it's tough to get your hands on him. And so I think that vertical ability with a player like Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati, um, it opens up so much for him to work back down the stem of his routes, to cut off routes and hit some horizontal breaks. He's super, obviously, uh, the elusiveness really translates to getting in and out of breaks and, and making some hard cuts within his routes. So, yes, that's that's what I'm talking about. That's That's exactly the type of player that, you know, if there's a, a player they love in the first round that falls to him, maybe a Jordan Addison out of USC, yeah, you, you, you'd entertain that. But I think there's some fallback options that the Bills can consider on day two, and Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati is definitely a name that's high on that list for me. Joe Marino of the Draft Network. We've got lots of time, lots of weeks ahead to go through a lot of positions. I, I do want to ask you, though, about linebacker potential, the plan moving forward, because the biggest decision, probably the biggest decision the Bills have to make, and it's not entirely their decision. You know, Tremaine Edmonds has a decision to make, too. I, I don't know if they think about Tremaine and make their decision first, if they look at the draft and wonder, you know, how's the class to get somebody to plug in? You're always the voice in my head, Joe, when thinking about Tremaine because of how important he is to them how they talk about him leadership all that and then this year at the end of the year they flat out said McDermott said it and Brandon Bean might have said it too he had his best year as a pro so 
that like I tend to push the needle towards they're going to do everything they can to bring him back. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you think that they will. And if you if you make the case to anybody that might be a little bit you know on the fence about how much money it is, how important it is that they do. Yeah, I think first of all, what I'd like to to, to address this is forget what you think about Tremaine Edmonds. Right now, that doesn't matter. Predictively, what does the team think about him? And and every indication is is that they love him. And you, I mean, I would affirm everything you said about um, uh, the comments about him having his best year and a really impactful season. And then you you continue that thought and remind yourself that this is the second player that. Brandon Bean ever drafted as a general manager, right? Uh, Josh Allen first, and then a trade up to get Tremaine Edmonds. And um, uh, seeing him have five years of starting experience under his belt already, he's 24 years old. Um, you know, that, that's going to move the needle a lot. And, I, and Brandon Bean, when he was asked about Tremaine Edmonds and the, uh, you know, the, the long term future with him in Buffalo during his year end press conference, I'm pretty sure he used the words draft, develop, and resign, right? That fits exactly what he's preached. And so I just, I just don't see Brandon Bean letting him get away. You know, just a point of pride as as the player he picked and where the development's been and the youth and experience, all of that. So predictively, I think absolutely, I I would guess that number one on that Brandon Bean to-do list in his mind is re-signing Tremaine Edmonds. So I do do expect that to happen. Um, And I think it's going to be pretty expensive. You know, I think the Roquan Smith extension was something that was eye-opening for a lot of people. Um, we certainly saw big money go out to Shaquille Leonard and Fred Warner recently. And so, you know, could he be in that stratosphere? Maybe. I don't think it's less than 15 per. You know, I think it's probably between 15 and 20, someone in, somewhere in that range, average annual value. And certainly you hope to have some years attached to it so that way you can have the most flexibility possible to have lower cap hits now, but also set yourself up for some restructure opportunities down the road. Um, as far as why I think the bill should do that is is – well, I believe in draft, develop, and resign. I believe in Tremaine Edmonds' skill set, but it's it's um, it's it's what he means to the defense. I know I, leadership doesn't often carry a lot of weight in, when you know you have these conversations, but it does matter. But it's it's the skill set. It's a guy who's six five, two hundred forty pounds, thirty five inch arms, and the amount of real estate that he can handle in coverage. It's a really big deal. It, it changes the math and in football in so many ways, whether it's passing or running. It's about math and the numbers that you have versus the numbers that they have. The, the numbers that they have in pass coverage uh, and, and guys that they can drop, it impacts uh, the space available for receivers and where quarterbacks can slot throws. And because Tremaine has really good feel and range and coverage, it allows the Bills, I think, to be really, really unique in how they space the field because they know what they can put on his plate. And then, you know, as a downhill linebacker, no, it's Tremaine Edmonds, the most dynamic player, stacking and shedding blocks and playing into the line of scrimmage. No, I don't think that's the, the strength of his game. But I, I think in this down, this upfield defense, right, you think about a penetration-style defense that they run, where uh, really the second level is is asked to make the front right. You know, they're, the, the front's going to be aggressive, and they're going to make some decisions. And the linebackers behind them, they're not always covered up. They have to make sure that the decisions that the front makes are correct and that they can fit the run accordingly, and, and that's, that's not easy. And so I, I think it's a big role. And so knowing what you have in Tremaine um, is important because forecasting another player to that same role, I don't think you can do it. It's, a, it's too unique of a skill set to feel comfortable about that happening and there not being a significant drop-off. I think, you know, 
Tremaine missed a few games this year, and I think people kind of felt that impact of what he means to this defense. And so um, I, 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 unless they want to really go another way with how they play defense, I think they really have to have Tremaine Emmons back. Oh, by the way, this is a defense that's basically never in base in terms of a three-linebacker set. So just a lot of stress on Edmonds and Milano, and I think uh, they, they kind of need those guys to make this 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 engine work on defense the way that they want to play. Uh, yeah, the, to follow that up, Joe, like you know, the term unicorn gets thrown around maybe a bit in sports when talking about Allen or Mahomes. And, you know, as you talk about a potential fundamental change if Edmonds were to leave – you're not even just saying that it would be difficult to replace him from within, but difficult to find a replacement, period, because the skill set is so specific to what they do. Well, I, can you find a good coverage linebacker? Sure. Yeah, you can guy, find a guy that's can springy and can run and feel the past and get where he's supposed to be. Can you get a, a big downhill player to, to play into the line of scrimmage and make tackles against the run? Yes. But can you find a guy that's both, that has – that type of wingspan and that type of range and that type of size, no. And I, I think that's what makes him a really unique football player and one that uh, I, I want to keep my myself attached to, uh, given the experience in age. I mean, this is a really unique situation that he's he's entering his, his age 24, 25 season, something like that, as a five-year starter on a defense that has been really at the top of the league throughout that entire time. And so, you know, it's – it's to me. It's hard to let that go away. It's hard, you know. Even if you bring in another player, it's hard for just that player to just pick up the pieces and acclimate. Um, so it, he he really does make a big difference for this defense, and and really it is my expectation that the Bills will make him his top priority to bring bring him back. And on the alternative, like I know you said, it's kind of tough to forecast what the alternative would be like. It could be even this could be an argument as to why you do it. Terrell Bernard, Tyrell Dodson. Bernard's the one I'm most interested in, Joe. I don't know if he would naturally fit into that same position that Edmonds does, but he was a third-round pick. Very limited sample. I don't know, like, for you, what does the defense look like with him, knowing what he was as a prospect? And I know I know, we only got a limited sample this year. Yeah, I mean, obviously I did a lot of work on Bernard at Baylor, so familiar with what he showcased there. And it was a pick that really confused me at the time, and you know, of course, I'm doing a live uh, broadcast of the draft, and my reaction to that is, you know, I think it's out there, <laughs> so you can see it. Uh, I wasn't a fan of the pick, um, and and uh, really, Bernard is a player that tests well athletically. But if you watch him play at Baylor, where he really found success and made plays was when he was asked to just shoot gaps and blitz and and just go. Um, not a lot of read and react, right? So it's just see ball, get ball, shoot this gap, cover that player, right? It's not a, there's not a whole lot of thinking and processing involved in what made him successful at Baylor, which is really different than what he would be asked to do with the Bills, where it is completely read and react, and you can't just shoot a gap or just play man coverage against, you know, three strong or if it's the back or whatever, you know, whatever locked-in man coverage assignment you would have. And so um, as I continue to think about what the Bills asked their linebackers to do, I thought of him more if they had to replace Edmonds or Milano with Bernard, it definitely would be Milano over Edmonds. And Edmonds was, or excuse me, Milano was the one that they just extended, and Edmonds is the one with the expiring contract. So I, I just, I don't see it. I don't see him being the guy that does the things that Tremaine Edmonds does. I think he's more of a role specific player, and, you know, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he can he can be that. I, I'm certainly willing to acknowledge that possibility, but 
I don't really see him as a Mike linebacker in the NFL. I think he's a weak side pursuit style player that uh, can play matchups and, and do blitz, but uh, just a complete do-everything linebacker. I don't see it with Tremelo Bernard. So much offseason to get to. We do have the Super Bowl this week, Joe. Are you making a pick? I yeah. I, listen, um, I think you got to pick Mahomes, right? I, I think it's that simple. Um, Philly can certainly win the game. Um, both teams are really good in the line of scrimmage, but I think in a game like this, I think you, you lean into the better quarterback uh, that's been playing better football lately. Uh, that's been on this stage. So, um, yeah, there's a path for Philly, but I think Casey gets it done. Do you take anything away from either one of these teams in terms of, like, how to build a team or whatnot? We were just talking about how the Chiefs have one of the highest rates of rookie snaps in the league. Six highs, yeah. yeah Six I made a mistake. highs. Six highs. The Eagles have the fewest rookie snaps this right. year. So I, I guess it, it might just these two teams might even prove that you could do it different ways. But when you look at these two teams, do you take anything away from how they've kind of built and how they've gotten here? Well, I think the Chiefs have done a masterful job of finding, continuing to find big-time contributors in the draft and not necessarily high up. You know, I look at Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. It's a second-round pick and a sixth-round pick. Those are, those are top-tier, interior offensive linemen. Think about Nick Bolton in the second round, who's really become uh, the heart and soul of that defense as a, a second-round pick. Um, I, I think about their, literally their entire secondary or corner situation. They drafted it this year. Um, you know, with McDuffie, which was the first round pick, I think uh, Watson's kind of a later pick. Um, Brian Cook's mid round pick. I mean, their ability to get meaningful—I mean, more than meaningful—like significant starter contributions for players on rookie deals to complement high end talent like a Mahomes, like a Kelsey, like a Chris Jones, uh, like a Joe Tooney at left guard. Um, you know, I think that's that's so much of it, and that's. That's that's really to me the the challenge ahead for the Bills is okay you've got some top end talent you got some premier guys in the league well can you continue to find players in the draft that for three four seasons gives you high impact on low cost deals and I think the Chiefs have have really done a great job of that while also being really honest with their roster and for projecting it forward and how they can c- continue to stay at a uh, high-end contender level. I mean, uh, I, the Chiefs have a ton of cap space coming up. I think they're somewhere around $50 million right now going into this offseason. And they have good draft capital because you know, they were able to make a, a calculated choice in trading away Tyree Kill and it was re- really able to give them an infusion of young talent and, and cheaper talent for the roster. So I think their honest approach to their roster, how they've hit on draft picks to complement high-end talent has been absolutely textbook. And it's the reason why they're so good. Obviously, Mahomes is Mahomes, but you know, it's it's the other stuff too that makes that that team so good. And one other thing on that, Joe, that like as Sneaky Joe asked me that asks you that question about what do you notice about these two teams? To my eye, they both look like they have really diverse, um, well run, well schemed offenses. That you know, there are easy throws or easy reads for these quarterbacks from time. I mean, don't get me wrong; they both make great plays, but yeah. these offenses look like they are on schedule. They are sharp very often. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I, I would I would almost lean more into the Eagles with that. I think Mahomes is Mahomes in a lot of situations where he just, you know, he he makes it happen. He's just an unbelievable, instinctive football player. But yeah, when you look at that Eagles team, I mean, certainly you love. I mean, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Godert. I mean, good goodness gracious, that's really good. Uh, but it's that offensive line. I mean, you, you watch this Eagles team, and Jalen Hurts has forever. And he's not pressured, and he, he's he's able to survey and read and, and throw the ball. Um, and I think that's huge. And so I think that's um, certainly I, not taking any, 
anything away from the creativity of the scheme. Uh, it's really good, and there's wrinkles every week that impress me. I, I love what they do, but I think that's it, it largely made possible because that offensive line is exceptional, and Jalen Hurts can be really comfortable back there throwing the football. Joe Marino of the Draft Network and Locked on Bills podcast. We kept you long, but it's, uh, I hope that's okay, Joe. Enjoy the game, oh, and we'll you. talk next week. All right, guys, I appreciate it. Thank you. Joe Marino of the Draft Network. Always good to talk to Joe. Sneaky Joe. That Joe is basically the guy that has convinced me about Edmonds, mm-hmm. about what the Bills, how much they'll try to keep him. Now, isn't that very convincing? That, yes. That, that's... Do you want to fundamentally change everything about the way that you play defense? That's the one point, right? Well, not do you want them to. The question is, do they want to? Right. And that answer is probably a very hard no. No. Like, had they moved on from Leslie Frazier, I'd be, okay, maybe Maybe. we've got something here. They want to do something different. But if Frazier is back, like it seems he will be, then... I think that sounds right, that they will not want to fundamentally change their defense. They've been great at defense for five years. He's been here for five years. He's a cornerstone of it. He will represent. It. It's not. This isn't a point to say that they shouldn't sign him. I could make another point about why they shouldn't, but I think he kind of represents n- non-change, status quo. This offseason. That's why I think he might be polarizing this offseason even more than before. Before it was, people didn't know how good a player he was. Now I feel like people are more sure how good a player he is. But if you want to see significant change this offseason because you're mad about the Cincinnati game, if Edmonds stays, that's not happening. If Edmonds goes, that is a big change the likes we have not seen under this regime. Yeah. On either side of the ball, really. Right. He would be the best player that's ever walked away without an extension. By far. Yeah. Poyer, Poyer well, too. Well, Poyer will become that. That's but right. Poyer yeah. is different from an age standpoint. Sure, right. Age is different. You know, his role different. They, were, they didn't win a game without him, right? Right. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, all right. Break in. Better to forget it. And uh, Carrington Harrison coming up 610 Sports. KC at uh, the 9 o'clock segment. Your calls as well. 803-0550 here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.